This morning is what we do as we gather as a community, is worship together, then open the word to see what God might be saying into our lives, into our families, and our community. So you can go and open up to the book of Revelation. We are coming to a close in our summer series, looking at the God's, Jesus' letters to his churches, Revelation 2 and 3. So go and open up. If you uh, need a Bible, we have Bibles. We'd love to get a Bible in your hands so you can follow along. Just slip up a hand and we'll get a Bible to you so you can follow along with us. But as you're finding your way there to Revelation chapter 2, or 3 actually this morning, uh, this, uh, this week has been pretty significant for a lot of us, right? I mean, it's been back to school week, if you're like my family, sent some kids off to uh, start a new year of school, whether you've got kindergartners or elementary, middle school, high schoolers, someone off to college or about to go off to college. And so we're entering back into that season, a new year. And I know uh, for a lot of us, like, our year doesn't revolve around January to December, does it? The year revolves around August to May with a little bit of a break, June and July, amen? And so we're entering in a new fresh season, standing at the door of a new, uh, a, a new season of life, a new year in front of us. And a lot of exciting things uh, that are happening. One of the things that I want to celebrate is uh, this week we opened up uh, Little Oaks Preschool. And so uh, as part of our church uh, vision, from the beginning, our desire has been to, uh, to create space that gets utilized by the community all week long. In fact, I feel like personally, if you've been a part of Grace for any period of time, I, I, that one of the biggest wastes of kingdom resources is that we build these buildings that in, sit empty 90% of the time. These giant church, beautiful uh, cathedrals that are just closed six days a week. So our thought was, okay, if we have this space that God has entrusted with uh, to us, how do we use it? How does it become part of the neighborhood, part of the community? So one of the visions from the beginning was, well, let's do a preschool. And even let, let's get a, a state-certified preschool. Right from the start, we can, uh, that way you can partner with foster care children and, and, and kids with special needs. There's lots of things you can do. And so, and so that was kind of the heart. But the question was like, who? Like, Grace, we're not in the, the preschool business, so who's going to do that? And God raised up this amazing young woman who had just graduated with her master's in early education named Cedar, who was a part of our church family, had a heart and a vision to start it. And she said, from the beginning, she's like, you know, to really get started that first year, we really need 35 kids to be a part of this. That's uh, babies to five-year-olds, right? And then she was like, you know, she's like, really, to kind of, you know, break even, make this thing work, we need to get... Uh, we need to get to 50. That's a stretch. I don't know if we can do that our first year, but really we need to get 50 kids to make this thing work. And so it's exciting that on Monday when they opened, they opened up with 65 kids as part of that Little Oaks preschool. So yeah, praise the Lord. Just to see that vision become a reality. And so you can be praying for those, all those little lives that'll be, uh, uh, that will be impacted by their time here in this space. And so for us, sending our kids off to school, you know, every year we do the same thing. And you may do the same thing uh, in your family. Every year we, st we get our kids that are about to go off to school for the first day of school, and we do back-to-school pictures. Anyone else back-to-school pictures? Right, and we line them up. Yeah, line them up right in front of the door, and we take their pictures kind of chronicling over the years. And so we've been in our current house for the last eight years. And so eight years ago, we lined our kids up, and we took a picture. You can go and show that picture there. Uh, this was eight years ago, my my crew. You can see Jake and my youngest on the left was not happy about not getting to go to school that day. 
But the next year was his big year. He, uh, he got to go. Look how excited that little face is. Got his book bag ready. And so we've been doing that every year. This year was significant we, uh, as uh, we sent off two to high school this year, my oldest uh, senior and one a freshman, into this new year together. And I kept thinking about this picture, this idea that we, of, of sitting my kids in front of this door. And, and at the same time, this, this picture, this reality that, that Jesus is always inviting us into a greater experience, a greater awareness, a, a greater knowledge of his presence and power, that there's always a door he's standing us in front of. And so it makes sense that at the end of Revelation, uh, at the end of these letters of Jesus to his church uh, in, in, in Revelation 2 and 3 and into 4, he actually names three doors that he sets in front of the church. So going to, to Revelation 4, we're going to make our way backwards through them and see, ask this question, okay, Lord, what are the doors that you're putting in front of me? What are the doors that I'm standing in front of? As I stand at the beginning of this new school year, this fresh season, this fresh start, for us as a church on this brand new campus and all the opportunities that are in front of us here, this incredible space right in the middle of the neighborhood, right at the gateway to our city, what are the doors that you set in front of us? What are the doorways that you're inviting us to open, to step through with you? So Revelation 4.1, if you were with us on July 4th for our little uh, July 4th celebration, we looked at this chapter, this glimpse into heaven that God gives to John, the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation. But Revelation 4.1, we encounter our first, but the third door that is mentioned. Verse 1, after this I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones are 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. He continues on, and, and I'm not going to dive deep into all of the significance of that, that picture today. Uh, you can go back and listen to that from, from the 4th of July if you want to, to dive into some of the, the significance of the images that, that John was trying to describe. But what I want us to get today is that, that there in front of John, as he looks up from the circumstances that surround him, imprisoned on this island, isolated from his community, Fearing for his life, he looks up in the heaven's part, and there stands an open door into the throne room of God. That door into heaven that stands open. 
And through that door, he gets a glimpse that blows his mind, that he can't even, he can't even really put words to, the, the power and, and the beauty, the glory of what he sees, that the God who reigns over everything in heaven on earth, the creator, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who brings all things together and makes sense of all things, the one who is in control, powerful, the victorious one, whose eyes burn like fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze, that one sits on the throne of heaven over all things, that sea of glass, that symbol of chaos, that he reigns over even the chaos and the unknown, the confusion and the pain, the tragedies and the turmoils, all of the, the, the pain of existence and the glories and celebrations, God reigns in heaven over it all. Amen? And into that glory is an open door. That God hasn't shut the door on humanity despite our failures and our flaws, our rebellion and our rejection. God, God opens that door wide and we know that Jesus, as he hung on the cross and breathed his last breath, the gospels tell us that the curtain dividing humanity from the most holy place where the presence of God dwell was ripped in two from top to bottom. That there is no longer a division, a separation because of our sin from, from broken humanity and the holy God of this universe. The door stands open. And behind that door is a powerful God. He doesn't remain hidden. He wants to be known. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so as we stand at the beginning of this school year and we look at the doors that are in front of us, what are the ways that God is inviting you into a deeper awareness of his presence and power? What are the ways that he's inviting you to look up from the circumstances of your life to get a glimpse of his character and his heart. Like even right now, not just as like an interesting, abstract, theological, philosophical idea, but right now, the God who's eternally speaking, who is speaking personally a word to you, even right now, if we have ears to hear it, how does he want you to see him more clearly? How is he inviting you into that upward open door of heaven, even this morning? Because when we get a right perspective of God, we can then get a right perspective of the world around us. Of ourselves, of our spouses, of our children. How is God inviting you to look up and see him more clearly this morning? And it's in that posture that we are invited to worship. That word worship means simply to declare the worth of. It's not just simply singing some songs. It's not mouthing the words. It's not humming along in our car to 104.7, the fish. Worship is when we look to God and begin to recognize his, his glory, his bigness, 
his power and in awe give him the praise that he is due. And we begin to recognize that we ourselves are, are in desperate need of his mercy and his grace. We worship him from that posture of, of looking up, God, you reign over it all and I need you. Most importantly, we don't worship just simply with our songs and our words. We look up to that open door, that throne room of heaven. Romans 12 tells us that we offer, that we're invited, that God's challenging us, inviting us to, to offer him our lives as a living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And that that, the giving him of, of him our lives is actually our spiritual act of worship. So how is God inviting you to step through that open door of heaven, to see him more clearly, into greater worship, into a deeper awareness of his presence and his power. Look up. Now if we go backwards a little bit, that's the, the first door we talk about. It's the third door mentioned in Revelation. The second door we talked about a couple of weeks ago is, is in the letter to the church in Laodicea, this church that was lukewarm, that, that, that their apathy their distance from God, their self-sufficiency and pride from, from their wealth, that they figured they had life under control. God, you rule the universe, let me rule my life. But even to a people that had grown lukewarm in their relationship with God, Jesus writes, Revelation three nineteen, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Change your mind. Change your direction. Behold, and here it is, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So the first door is the door to heaven that stands open. The second door is the door to our hearts. And this one actually is closed. That there are places in our lives, each one of us, that our hearts are closed to the presence of God. That our hearts are closed to encounter. Whether by apathy or pain, busyness and distraction. And so this morning, if the first question is, where, as we stand at the beginning of the school year, is God opening up your eyes to see him more clearly, to get a glimpse of his power and his glory, that open door to heaven, where in your life right now as you sit this morning, August 8th, 2021, in Monroe, Georgia, has your heart been closed to him? And how do we welcome Jesus in to these deeper places? I mean, the reality is that Jesus is always present with us. He's as real in this room as we are. I mean, that's an incredible thought. The living God of this universe is as real in this room as we are. He's ever present. He's always available. 
when you're riding in your car to work, when you're having that conversation with your family around the dinner table, he is as real in that space as you are. How would that change our lives if that was the constant reality that we lived in? But there's a big difference between being present and being welcomed. At Grace, we have our our welcome team, our host team. If you're new to Grace, hopefully you felt welcomed as you came in. People that their role is simply to, to, to... put their arms around you, maybe metaphorically, if you're, you know, a little, uh, need some social distance, but they're there to love you, to welcome, to make sure that you know you're seen. We were ready for you. We w- we're excited that you're here. And it grieves me to think that anyone would show up in our church doors and not feel welcomed. Like we're not excited. We weren't ready for them, that they were forgotten, hidden. We know what it feels like to go into a place and be present in the room, but to not be welcomed. And Jesus is asking, will you welcome me in? Will you welcome me into those deeper places? Will you welcome me into those broken spaces? In my life, uh, when I was going into eighth grade, I got invited by a young youth pastor in our community, a guy named Greg Boone. And he had kind of started hanging out with me and my group of friends. And it took us that summer up to a camp in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, called Look Up Lodge. And we'd gone up to Look Up Lodge and uh, had an amazing week of camp and just lots of fun. But at the very end of that week, the, the speaker had shared a message, the gospel message, that I, and for the first time in my life, understood or began to understand who Jesus was. That Jesus had, had, had always been there for me, had, had in fact loved me so much that he had chosen to die a death on the cross on my behalf that I could be reconnected with him and wanted a relationship with me. And the things that I began to hear about Jesus, my thought was, man, if that is true, if that's who Jesus is, then yeah, I want that. And so there on a little hillside and at Look Up Lodge in front of Poplar Cabin, got on my knees with Greg and another friend of mine named Rob and invited Jesus into my heart. And that was literally, as as just a little middle school kid, that the words that I knew to pray, Jesus, will you come into my heart? This act of surrender, my heart is yours. I'm opening my heart to you, God. I need you to come in, to forgive me of the places that I've messed up, to, to fill me, to be with me. And it changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. It's one of the reasons I love, that I love about grace is this, this focus. When I first came to grace 20 years ago at Grace Snellville, this focus on the next generation, on other middle school kids like me that desperately need somebody to come alongside of them, to love them, to tell them about Jesus. It's what we do. It's what we're about. But fast forward 20 years, 30 years, And Jesus still stands at the door of my heart knocking. That there's constantly, continually deeper places that he is wanting to go into. To make his home in the spaces in my soul where I feel alone or scared, confused or lost. Last summer I began a journey with God of recognizing that how I was disconnected 
from my own heart. That in the busyness and all the activity of, of leading a church and a family with four kids and, and the, our roles in the community, that somewhere in all of the busyness and activity, I had gotten disconnected from Jesus. Had a powerful encounter. I went on a, just a solitude retreat, just be alone with the Lord for, for a day. And in that space, begin to just ask God, God, what's going on in here? And that journey that has been going on for just over a year now, I took our staff up this past summer, a year later, to the exact same place I'd gone on that first solitude retreat of trying to reconnect my heart with God, of, of asking that same prayer, God, where are you standing at the door knocking right now? And so actually I led our staff in sort of what we're talking about right now, these three doors, asking our staff, uh, um, hey, where's God wanting to, you to get a, a greater glimpse of who he is? Where's God asking you to stand, uh, standing at the door of your heart, knocking to go into a deeper place with you? And so we got to that, and I was asking the staff, hey, let's just pray about it. Let's just ask the Lord, where are you right now knocking on the door of my heart? And as I'm asking our staff, I'm supposed to be leading this prayer time, as clear as a day, I knew exactly where Jesus was knocking on the door of my heart. And I did not want to go there. I was like, not in front of these people, no, no way. And so I waited, everyone left. I stayed up there a little bit longer, and it was just me and the Lord. And I knew that it was a place of sadness. And that I was feeling grief, and I knew exactly what I had to do with. It was about my daughter being a senior in high school. And I was really sad about it. I was sad realizing this, this feeling that uh, this is my last year with her at home. This is my last year with her waking up and being at our breakfast table every morning. And, and so all of these feelings, and I knew that I had this sadness, and I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to feel it. I mean, that sucks. I don't want to feel sad. And so I kind of just tucked it away. Jesus is like, no, 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 let me invite me in there. And I was like, I don't want to feel this. But okay, Lord, I'd rather do it with you. And so we kind of opened that door to my heart a little bit. Jesus, come in. What do you want me to know? And there Jesus began to explore what it was that was going on and recognizing that it wasn't just sadness, but there's also some guilt. Recognizing that, like, looking back, some regret and, and that I can't go back and, and change the mistakes or the things, opportunities lost. Went back to a memory literally of, of standing in the kitchen looking at my cell phone while I could hear my kids laughing in the other room and, and remembering that, thinking, why in the world would I ever choose the news over hanging out with my kids. And I can't go back and I can't get that time back. And I was sad. And I felt pretty guilty about it. So I was just honest with God and just said, God, here's what's going on in my heart. I need you to come into this place. What do you want me to know? And he told me, yeah, you're not a perfect father. And you've screwed up a few times. But then he told me, but I am. And I can fill in the gaps. And you're actually a pretty good father. And she's going, but she's not leaving. And then I realized in that place, is like, as sad as I am about her going, it's also exactly what I want for her. I mean, she's creative and adventurous. I don't want to hold her back from exploring the world. It's exactly what I want for her. Now, why do I share that story with you? Because until I, I dealt with that with Jesus, into that deeper space in my heart, I wasn't free to actually enter into this year wholeheartedly with my daughter. Yes, to grieve, it's sad. And when seasons change, it's okay to be sad that the old is gone and, and that we can't get that back. But until I dealt with that, I was not able to walk with God into the future that he has for us. 
until I dealt with that guilt. I wasn't able to, to interact with her wholeheartedly because there's a part of me that was held back. And as I opened my heart to God, I was also opening my heart to Eden and to my family. And so I share that story with you to ask the question, where is God knocking on the door of your heart right now? It may not be a place of sadness, maybe a place of fear. Anxiety is just a fancy word we use for fear. But what would it look like to just invite Jesus into that place? Jesus, what do you want me to know? What is going on here? What lies have I begun to believe? What do I need to trust you with? What do I need to let go of? What are you speaking into my life, into my heart right now? A couple months ago, I was praying with a friend who was acknowledging, confessing to me, that hadn't really told anyone, and he just said, he's like, I'm embarrassed by this, but I have this, this incredible nonsensical fear whenever I walk into my house in the dark. And this isn't a small dude. But this, there was this, he said it almost feels like a spiritual oppression. And it's almost like that I almost like rush into my house and turn the lights on. It's like, I, I don't get it. I don't know where it's coming from. But I hate it. And I'm embarrassed by it. So I was like, all right, well, let's just ask God into that place. Let's open the door, that door in your heart and invite Jesus in. See what he wants you to know. And so we, we prayed, Lord Jesus, what do you want my friend to know about what's going on there? And he remembered a, a, a memory that had happened, this, this thing that happened that, that, was, uh, that was incredibly frightening to him. And, and he acknowledged that to Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, I'm with you. I've never left you. And we prayed into some of that stuff, and then we moved on. The next day, he calls me, and he goes, man, you won't believe this. He's like, I got home last night, and for the first time in my life, walked in my house in total peace. And I didn't even recognize it till I walked in the door and turned on the lights that I wasn't rushing to the light switch. Because he invited Jesus into that place with him. What is it for you? Where does Jesus stand at that door of your heart and knock? We begin with that glimpse into heaven of who he is, and then we move. Where's the place I've closed my heart to him? Several years ago, I was praying with a gentleman. he just retired and uh, didn't believe in Jesus at all when we first met. In fact, he was the guy that kind of prided himself on. He loved meeting with pastors. This is actually how we met because he liked to ask them the questions that there's no answers to. He kind of got like sort of, uh, you know, uh, malicious joy out of that. And, uh, and so we met. And I mean, I've just kind of personality where it's like I'm comfortable with not knowing some things. And, uh, and so we, it started off a great uh, uh, relationship and we met several times. He started getting involved at the church and showing up, which always surprised me when he showed up, and, uh, and started being intrigued and curious. And, and finally, one day, we were at this worship night, and he had gone to this worship night. And afterwards, he pulls me aside, and he says, uh, he goes, I need Jesus. I was like, I know. I know you do. And, uh, and he goes, no, I need Jesus right now, but the problem is I can't, I can't go to him. And I was like, well, let's pray about that. What do you want? What's going on there? So we went off to the side room with another friend of ours, and Three of us were praying, and, 
And as he's praying, it's almost like he could see, it's like God gave him this picture in his head as he's praying, and he felt like it was, it was like uh, this wall. And he knew that on the other side of that wall, there, Jesus was there. And he's like, but I, I can't go to Jesus. And I was like, do you feel like Jesus doesn't want you? And he's like, no, no, I know he does, but I can't go to him. And so he asked like, all right, Lord, what's keeping him from you? I just remember, I mean, this, this, this older gentleman, you know, gray hair, and, and he's, he's kind of hunched over, and he, and, he's, and he just starts crying. And all of a sudden he goes, I killed them. Which I'm in the room going, am I about to be a witness to a serial killer? Like, how does pastoral confidence work with Jack the Ripper? I don't know. I mean, I like run through my head. Like, and so I was like, all right, w- w- Lord, uh, what do you mean? And, uh, and, and so he gets in John, he's crying, he says, I, I killed them. And it comes out that actually he, in college, uh, it, that the love of his life in college, and had, um, had gotten her pregnant and had talked her into having an abortion. And actually that had happened twice. And so for 40 years, he'd carried the guilt of this relationship and what had happened in that relationship. And so he just said, you know, Jesus, he, already, he knows and he loves you. Can you just be honest with him about that? And so he did. He confessed it to Jesus, of, you know, his guilt and his shame about all of that. And he's looking down. And then as he said, he's like, I can't go to him. I feel like something's, that something's holding my feet down. And that's when, like, what is it that's holding you down? And that's when that came out. And uh, he's looking down and he, and he acknowledges, you know, just, you know, just kind of weighted over by this guilt. And he just says it to Jesus. I did this. And I, I'm, I'm so incredibly sorry. And as he looks up, and again, this is all between him and the Lord. And he looks up, and that wall was gone. And he said he could see Jesus standing there with his arms open. And in his arms, he was holding two children. And he felt like Jesus says, I have them, and I have you. And in that moment, in his heart, he took off to Jesus like lightning and held on to him and just sobbed as he received the grace and the forgiveness of Christ. And that began his relationship with God. I don't know where Jesus is standing at the door of your heart knocking. A place of guilt or shame, maybe you've been holding on to for decades. Maybe from this past weekend. A place of fear and anxiety. A place of sadness or grief. But the good but powerful God of this universe invites you into an awareness of his presence. And then he stands and waits for you to invite him in to those deeper places. Where as we begin this year, is Jesus standing at the door of your heart knocking? And then the third, we'll go back one more church to the church in Philadelphia. Chapter three, verse eight. The first is an open door up. And the second is a closed door in. The third door is an open door out. Verse 8, or I'll start in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works, and behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. 
Remember, Philadelphia is that church that doesn't feel like it has a home. It lives in a valley that's rocked by earthquakes. And so they're always living sort of one foot in, one foot out, not knowing whether they can stay in their house or run to the hills. And in that place of instability and insecurity of their whole community, not only that, but they've been shut out of, locked out of the synagogue, the place of worship, of community in that space. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like that they fit, that they have anything to offer. And and I love that Jesus even says to them, uh, he doesn't say, I know you think you don't have any power. He doesn't say that. He actually goes, I know you don't have any power. I know you're weak and small. And yet, I'm the one who opens doors that no one can shut. And I'm the one that closes doors that no one can open. You are safe with me. And you, though you feel small and insignificant, though you've been shut out of the the place of worship in your community, though you live ready to run to the hills at any moment, I'm putting in front of you in all of your your craziness, in all of your insecurity, in all of your instability, in all of the uncertainty, I'm putting in front of you an open door and no one can shut that door. I'm putting something in front of you that only you can walk through and you're meant to walk through with me. And so as we begin with that open door up, a greater glimpse to who God is in heaven and that closed door in, that greater, that, the greater invitation into God's presence and healing in our life. The third door is that door out. What is the opportunity that God has opened up in front of you this year? As you begin a new school year, that open door that he has created. As, as Paul writes in Ephesians, the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. As we see the God in heaven who transforms our lives, we're not called just simply to be that are people who are impacted by the work of God, but people of impact who do the work of God. God transforms us so that we can become people who transform. God restores us so that we can become people of restoration. That's what grace is all about, is that we would encounter God in such real and powerful ways that it doesn't just change us from the inside, but changes us from the inside out, that we become people who step into the plans and purposes of God. What is that open door for you? What is that place of opportunity, of ministry that God's inviting you to step into? And you may feel small, you may feel insignificant, you may feel like I don't know the Bible well enough or I don't have the right words or what if they don't expect, if they don't accept me or reject me? What if they don't like what I have to say or, or, or what if they don't receive me? And God's saying, listen, I'm with you. I've never given up on you. I'll go with you every step of the way. And in fact, what I open for you, no one can shut in your face. There are some of you in this room that know exactly what God is inviting you to do with him. And you've probably felt it for a long time. You know that invitation you're supposed to extend, that kid you're supposed to mentor, that neighbor you're supposed to meet, that coworker you're supposed to talk to. You know it right now. You think about it when you get in the car and it pops in your head and then you turn the radio on so you don't have to think about it again. You're in the shower and that thought comes across again and then you dry off and go out on with your day. What is that open door that Jesus is inviting you into this year? And it's in that place, that space of transformation and revelation that we truly begin to encounter the power of God in our lives.
this three-dimensional kind of life, these three doors, is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. Up, in, and out. A life lived in relationship with the God of this universe. A life lived in, in intimacy, in community. And a life lived out on mission with him. Where is God inviting you to go with him this year? Through all three doors. For us as a church family, this year is significant. It's a year of new beginnings. Of new opportunities. Not just coming into a a post-pandemic environment that shook up and changed everything about the church world, shut things down and seemed to close doors, though at the end of the day we have to hold on to the reality that no one closes doors that God wants to keep open. But even just being in this space, in a few weeks, as Brandon mentioned, we'll have our grand opening that we'll invite the community to as we uh, open up Denton Hall, the rock gym, as our place of worship. And this space becomes what it was always meant to be, which is uh, dedicated to our middle school and our high school students and their uh, student space. I want to show you a few pictures of just um, what God has invited us into. But that right there is what is now Bold Springs Coffee. That's standing in the courtyard looking up at where the, that the amphitheater is where the the garage doors open now, where the neighborhood gathers on a daily basis to talk and meet. Which, by the way, if you've not visited, we again, I said, we wanted all this space to be open to the neighborhood all week long. And so Bull Springs Coffee was another vision that we had, a neighborhood coffee shop. And so come by, Monday to Friday, 8 to 3. There's my sales pitch right there. That's the, uh, the front of Denton Hall, the rock gym, when we bought this property. And you wonder why people thought I was crazy. <laughs> it, had just, it had just been torched by an arsonist on the inside, so that added a little touch of flavor to the... Uh... So that's the rock gym, and then going, and uh, next one, that's the courtyard looking out on the building that we're now sitting in. I show you those pictures because when we first started this project, it looked like an impossible dream. We were stepping into something that we were too small as a church to possibly take on. And we knew that. But every time we took a step forward, God met us in that place in miraculous ways. And so we kept taking steps forward. And here we are now. And these are just buildings. They're bricks and wood, concrete, God only loves them as much as he loves the people inside of them. And if God miraculously provides for us to enter into the restoration of buildings and spaces and neighborhoods in that way, don't you know that he is eager to pour out his resources, his presence, his grace, his power, his blessing, his forgiveness to to carry on that kind of work in your soul, in your life in your relationships, in your heart, in your family. And it may feel like an impossible dream. Too broken and overgrown, too big. But Jesus invites you to take one step in with him. 
that door that stands open to heaven, that door that stands closed, inviting us into deeper places in our heart with him, and that door that stands open into opportunity on mission with our king. Where is God inviting you to step through those doors? Let's pray. So Lord, even right now, I just ask for each one here, your sons and daughters, we hold on to your promise that you who began a good work in us will carry it out to the day of completion. And so even on this day, this Sunday, August 8th, Lord, we ask, will you just call to mind for each one here, What are the ways that you're wanting to give them a a greater glimpse of who you are? To open the eyes of their heart that they could see you more clearly. Your power and strength. Your protection and your provision. Your grace and mercy. Lord, as we move our eyes from that door up in heaven into our own hearts, Lord. Where are you standing at the door knocking? Where have we closed our hearts to you? And by doing so, have closed our hearts to the people around us. Where are those rooms that we've shut off? Whether guilt or shame, fear, sadness, Loneliness. For each one here, whatever's coming to mind, Lord, give them the courage to just open that door to you and invite you in. Or will you speak your words of life and healing into those places? Will you bring freedom, wholeness? And Lord, as we encounter you and your work in our hearts and our lives, where are you opening that door of opportunity for your kingdom and your gospel, for us to step through with you, to take the love that you've shown us, the grace you've shown us out into the world be people of hope and blessing, strength and courage, because you're with us and you don't give up on us. And what you shut, no one can open. And what you open, no one can shut. So even right now, Lord, will you move us forward with you. In your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.